Hello, and welcome to the Uplifting Content Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Uplifting Content, Ioni Butler. And in each episode, I'll be speaking to a special guest about a topic that matters. Enjoy the show. Today, let's talk about the highs and lows of business with the one and only Penny Power. Penny, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm very well. Very excited to be on your show. Thanks. I'm really excited to have you, actually. Um, And I like to start these interviews by asking my guests to share a little bit about your story, um, your journey, what you're doing, what you're known for. You could share that with us, por favor. Wow. Gosh, I've got to be careful I don't ramble on. No, we've got Um, time. We've got time. (laughs) It's an interesting story. So, (laughs) Um, Well, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because... um, when I was 19, I went into the IT world and that was very exciting and built a, a nice career in there in the sort of sales and marketing world and ended up as a director of a, a relatively large company. When I had the children, I wanted to be with them as much as possible and corporate lifestyle wasn't as flexible as it is now. You know, you couldn't work at home. Um, there wasn't as much sort of what they talk about well-being. You know, they didn't uh, allow that flexibility. So it was a all or nothing really. And so I knew that I needed to be self-employed whilst I was bringing them up. And I was very blessed to have three children who are now 26, 24 and 21 and a beautiful uh, marriage as well. So I have been um, really blessed on that side of things. Um, I say that on that side of things because what I really want to come through today is that, you know, I think everybody creates this shiny image and whilst I try not, not to, Right. Um, there is, all, you know, there is a lot of challenges, which is why I've written my book. Um, but anyway, so I um, had my first child when I was twenty-eight, and I did about five years of sort of interim work. You know, I did enjoy work, and I had a good connections, and I, I in my sector was relatively well regarded, so it was good to stay in touch. And then when I was thirty-three in nineteen ninety-eight. I had this idea of wouldn't it be amazing if we could be friends online with people? And there was MySpace and Friends Reunited. and um, But there was nothing for business to connect online. It was uh, four years. LinkedIn launched in 2002, Facebook 4, 2004, and Twitter 2006. So I started Academy in 1998, and I just thought it would be something I could enjoy doing. There was no business model around it. I just wanted to create a community for business owners. Mm. And... Um, it just exploded. And I, I, I write about it in my book, chapter two. But sadly, that chapter is called Being Broken because mm. we put our life into it, my husband and I, literally. Mm. Um, children traveled with us all over the world. It was a phenomenal journey. Very intimate community, 650,000 small businesses. We were very engaged with them. We weren't hands off. We took great responsibility for their well-being on the platform, um, which created some challenges for us with trolls because we the first people to you know, really set down some boundaries around how people should treat others. Mm. Um, And then in uh, 2008, it became really apparent that, you know, we had to shift our business model from being what we believed in, which was a subscription model. And the reason we believed in that was you, you had to validate yourself with your credit card in a way, and you couldn't pretend to be someone else. And um, we didn't want to sell your data. And we wanted that honesty and transparency in a network where people felt safe um but you know we weren't disrupted through technology we were disrupted through the business model of free which i think disrupted masses of people around the world it's not just technology it's business models that uh, can really impact people so 2011 we went to um 2008 we went to the bank and uh, and asked if we could borrow a significant amount of money 
um, to pivot the business, a business model round. And we were doing that and it was going well. And then three years into that, uh, the bank, during the banking crisis of 2011, um, gave us 30 days notice to repay the remainder of the loan. Oh, oh. Um, and uh, brought us down and brought hundreds and thousands of other businesses down at the same time, these banks. Um, this particular bank was selling um, some of their assets and needed to really boost their balance sheet. And it's an interesting story. Yeah. And um, so I, whilst I, my book isn't, my, isn't self-indulgent, it's by no way an autobiography um, challenges, I um, you know, talk about how, how I dealt with it and for good or for bad, how I dealt with those things. So wow. since since then, um, I, you know, you you have to keep you do keep going mm-hmm. out of scarcity. You have to keep going, and out of the passion that you have, um, you do keep going. But it was very challenging, and so from 2011 until about 2015, I ran another business that I founded, which was actually helping young people, and I was creating a digital marketing apprenticeship that didn't exist in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was real trailblazing, another idea. And got some investment and for four years helped young people who are unemployed and pretty much felt unvalidated by the economy, helped them into jobs in small businesses to, to get small businesses doing more digital marketing and outsourcing it to an employee who was a young born digital person. And at that time, I was then awarded an OBE by the Queen, which was beautiful nice. for the work that Academy did. Uh-huh. Some of your listeners might not know what that is, but yeah, <laughs> it's fancy. I promise you, it's <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> it's an honour. It was a very joyful experience because it really uh, vindicated us, really, for what we had done at the academy. And then I just kept on going, kept on going, and then what might we might talk about um, November seventeen? I I think I broke, or I voluntarily broke. I was exhausted and saddened and hadn't grieved enough for some of the challenges and some of the personal challenges of loss that I had had and uh, learned that resilience isn't necessarily about putting your pain in a drawer and closing it and not opening it. Yeah, no, no. Learned that I wasn't taking enough self-care, didn't consider myself enough and, you know, putting the oxygen in myself. So a lot of what your world is all about, really. I, You know, I yeah. then, uh, I, I've spent last year with psychologists, group therapists, therapy, learning a lot about myself and wrote my book. I love it. That's it's a very great. quick synopsis. You did great. Nice and concise. And yeah, great. <laughs> and the long version's in the book. Um, I'm really, because when, when I first had you as a guest, I, I was going to make it about business and leadership. And the more I got to know about the book, the more I, it's more in alignment because I started this platform uh, to help people uplift people that are dealing with depression and stuff that's going on. Brilliant. And I feel really strongly about speaking honestly about what's going on and also just not sharing, like you say this, Oh, everything's perfect image to the world on social media and things like that. And so the fact that this book is about your journey and the struggle and talking about businesses failing, which can bring all sorts of feelings of shame or whatever that, that we might have, and it's just a part of it. It's part of the experience. It's part of your learning. It's part of your story. It doesn't define who you are. Um, so I think, I think it's a brilliant topic. Um, mm. Could you just tell me, so um, when Academy um, folded, that, that was quite a while before you had your 
you had to break down. So in that time, you just kept, I'm going, I'm not going to process this. I'm not going to deal with that. Like how, how do you start another business in spite of everything that just happened? Yeah. Um, I think just absolute defiance that you don't want to break. And mm. I, I actually sort of, I feel like I just caught myself before I properly broke. I mean, I did get a warning signal, which I can talk about on the 30th of November, uh, 17. Um, but I could have even kept going past that. Um, I think I just decided there was a number of things that I had, apart from business challenges, just personal things um, around my mother having dementia. She had now passed away. Uh, I was the sort of a little bit first on call because I was nearest and uh, if, uh, to my to my father with my mum. My sister lost her daughter to cancer at a very young age. Um, it was an eight, very sudden eight weeks. My brother died very suddenly of pancreatic oh cancer. Gosh. And then my beautiful, amazing, courageous daughter, two and a half years ago, actually three years in March, um, uh, was abducted and raped. And uh, oh, I take a big breath, isn't it? And that was a shock because she was actually skiing in a French um, resort and I got a call from the hospital at 5.30 in the morning. And all of these things were happening on the backdrop of me working 14, 16 hours a day and, yeah. and helping everyone. And honestly, I think that what's fantastic, it's like when you're in the battle, mm-hmm. you just keep fighting. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't even consider your needs. And I think I have no regrets about that. Mm. I really don't because I think that that at that time, that was what I needed to do. Mm. It was not actually, and it was coincidental. It wasn't, and I hadn't even thought about it, but it wasn't until my mum had passed away, my sister, for as much as she can possibly ever recover from that, had come to terms with her loss. Um, um, actually, that's probably the wrong word. I don't think you ever get come to terms with the loss of a child. But um, my brother, you know, his wife, there were things, and my daughter, who is, the person I want to be when I grow up had gone, had put herself through very painful um, therapy and actually was using words like, mum, I'm a better person because of what's happened to me. Wow. And wow. I'm a survivor of this and I'm, because she touched death, you know, she mm. was, it wasn't good what happened with her. Um, scary. And, um, and I think everybody felt okay. And then suddenly, obviously something said, Penny, you can now, break <laughs> right and what was the thing you said there was like a, a sim- there was a very obvious sign what was that well um the november yeah there was a number of things that i was doing at that time that were putting me under pressure in business um mm. i was crowdfunding a business i was um working very hard i had a 30-day period in which to do the crowdfund yeah. i was working very hard i was also near, still driving income so i was delivering a workshop and speeches and i was stretching myself mm-hmm. and I on the 30th of November I was delivering a workshop to 40 people a workshop I absolutely love doing which was um you know how do you build your an authentic lovely personal brand and who are you and all that lovely stuff that I've done for 15 years mm-hmm. but what happened on that day is I felt a bit of a blood rush to my face when I walked into the room and I thought well, that's strange you know I wasn't nervous you know yeah. I love this um but as I turned around in the room people's faces started to morph into the faces of the trolls that had trolled me six oh, years wow. ago. And literally it was like hallucination. It was like something you'd see on a film, literally like seeing a face change. Mm. 
Um, now, these people had traveled quite a long way and I had been hired to deliver this workshop and I needed the money oh, yeah. and I needed to commit to my responsibility to these people. So I just kept going and it just happened for four and a half hours. It just kept happening. Ooh. It was scary. It was like being in your own horror, horror movie. And at the end of it, I thought I've had a bleed on the brain or something. And I went up to the organizers and I, they've hired me before and they said it was great. You know, you've got eight out of 10, nine out of 10, some tens and all this you were great. And I said, I, I, I'm shocked because I really don't know who I was in that room. And um, I need to go to the hospital. I went to the hospital, had some neurological tests, said there's nothing wrong with you. Said perhaps there's something else going on. You know, maybe you were oxygen starved in the room. Think about your lifestyle. Went to my GP the next morning because my son picked me up off the train and was the one that drove me to the hospital. And um, you know, I promised him that I would go to my GP and she then uh, having a list of the different reasons I'd popped in and out for HRT and <laughs> different mm-hmm. things over the time. She sort of knew things that had been going on in my life. And she said, I think we've been waiting for you. And now's the time. Wow. So it was fantastic because one of the things that, you know, we all have strengths, but we have overdone strengths, you know, might be really kind, but if we misapply our kindness and our caring, in the business world, particularly, it can get abused, yeah, and that it becomes an overdone strength. If we are very independent, uh, it can be an overdone strength if you don't ask for help. Right, right. You know, if you're very success driven and you forget that life's actually about the success of others, then it becomes right. very destructive. You know, there's overdone strength, and I, you know, I discovered some of my overdone strengths, and that was that I was a little bit lacking in looking after myself and putting others first, which I think is a beautiful principle of a lot of entrepreneurs that I come across. Um, but it's finding but that balance. It's the balance. It's the balance. Mm. So then you went to the, the GP and they um, sort of brought that up to you. What, what was then your journey of, of, of healing and self-care? What did you do then? Um, I had to just um, press pause to a certain extent. I think <laughs> yeah, my, sounds pretty obvious, actually. Yeah, <laughs> just stop for a second. I think I, no, I tell you what, though, it's very different. And I'm sure you and a lot of people identify it. I think of myself, when I'm in the business world, I'm two people. There's yeah. small business penny who drives income, you know, yeah. speaking income, book income, coaching income, non-exec direct fees, whatever it is that drives an income. You do some work and you get paid. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. Yeah. Then there's the entrepreneurial penny, which is asset. You know, I'm driving asset. I, I know I might not get paid. I know I'm building a big dream. I know I'm building something that's scalable. And I think I know now the triggers that tell me when to be in which space. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I said, right, I'm going to have to press pause on being an entrepreneur because there's no doubt about it. That is harder than driving income. Yeah. <laughs> big nods yeah. from you and yeah. maybe others. Because you're just just giving so much of yourself, and you're not getting the energy of money back. Yeah, you know it's exhausting. Yeah, um, that's what I pressed pause on. I didn't press pause on Everything. coaching and speaking, and but but I did by just doing that. It gave my brain a rest. Yeah, gave my heart a rest. Uh, and 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 then I also started seeing a psychologist who. I feature in my book, I think that when, you know, your brain is a complex thing, mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't give it to a heart, uh, a brain, you know, somebody who wasn't a brain surgeon if I needed, I really wanted to, to learn a lot. And I was fascinated by that. I wanted to do psychology at university and I, I would do, I would do it if I went to school again. Yeah. It fascinating. I, it's wonderful. My son's doing it at university now and it's oh, lovely. Brilliant. Um, 
so I was always intrigued by that. So here I was now giving myself permission to go and spend. And, I, you know, I'd end up really interrogating them, forgetting <laughs> that I was supposed to be in a therapy session. Yeah. Just wanted to learn so much, and all the time I was almost in the room, not just on my own, but also with all these small businesses and people. I thought this would be so helpful, and oh my god, I wish I'd known this twenty years ago. And so, what were some of the things that? What were some of the insights that you gleaned from the psychologists about sort of our headspace around business? Um, oh gosh, there's so many. Let me think. Um, so. The first thing is that I'm not an assertive person. Mm. My natural instinct in a room, if there's a highly, lot of highly opinionated people, I'll, I'll be the listener. Um, you know, game of trivial pursuits, quizzes or whatever. I won't assert that I know the answer. You know, I'm not naturally. I'm, people call me a servant leader. I lead to serve. And mm. I don't have to win and I don't have to be right. Okay. So... Uh, Business can have a lot of assertive people in it, mm-hmm. very success-driven, assertive people who, uh, you know, will, will quote things as facts rather than opinion. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. We're well aware and, of that. Yeah. And, and seek to dominate. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of my family members, as much as I love them, I, I grew up with were like that, you know, much more um, self-assured, put it that way, mm-hmm. than me. Um, and I'm... Um, I think I learned that, you know, if there's a line of here's non-assertive behavior and here's assertive behavior, and at the far end is aggressive behavior. Mm-hmm. I got to the point where I think, since talking to a lot of small business owners that are hurting, um, I got to the point where assertive people felt aggressive to me. Mm, wow. I, I just got to the point where I would just think I can't cope with these strong opinions. And what was interesting is that's just one thing, for example, I'll think of others, but you know, was that actually the right way to communicate in business is both of you are assertive. Yeah. Both of you provide each other with the space to give your opinions. Right. Very few people know how to do that without right. arguing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so my default position would be go- to go, non-assertive but actually do you know that can be passive passive assertiveness that can be manipulative and if it's not right you know sometimes people just want you to tell you you know Mm. they want to not fisties but they want to know so I had to learn that and we did some role plays with psychologists she was really shocked in the the impact it had when she turned into aggressive the impact and how it yeah and you just basically sub- went, got all subdued. Is that sort of more than that? Actually, when she did it in a role play, and I wasn't expecting it, I crumbled. I absolutely crumbled. How was that? How was? I mean, how did you do that in business? How how had you been in business for that long, feeling that way, or reacting because in that way? When I fourteen years of so when I was in the IT industry, I just I don't think it was um, as polarized as it is now. Mm. I think business has really polarized into groups of people who are very success driven vocal people and and then there's this beautiful generation of millennials and and enlightened entrepreneurs that mm. just have more purpose yeah more purpose and more consideration yes yes um so but i think it's polarized like that when i don't you know i had a few situations in in the business environment that might have hurt me but i think it wasn't like you know, and also when I was working in employment, I, I, 
somehow that didn't seem so poignant. It's much more personal when it's your business. Right, right, right. Why my book's called Business is Personal. It is. Um, So um, other things are that, you know, I've been an evangelist of social media. I effectively created one of the, you know, if not the first, because other people, you know, certainly said online that ours was the first. I haven't found anybody that did it before us. Mm. Social media was something that I put my hat on and was awarded my OBE for and everything. But it was because I built a community where I believed in the force of good. I believed in transparency. I believed in kindness. And and obviously there's a dark side. Um, but the dark side doesn't have to be the trolls and the nasty people. The dark side is also the what what's actually a psychological term called compare and despair. Mm. Where no matter how good you feel about yourself, you can go online and if you've just got a few triggers that can make you feel you're lacking. Yep. Comparison is a thief of joy. There you are. I've got that yeah. in my book. Amazing. Oh, I love it. I love that Roosevelt. quote. I mean, it's, it it's, is. Yeah. But you do it to yourself. Mm-hmm. And you do that when you haven't got enough self-worth, when you really aren't completely sure of what your own personal definitions of happiness, ambition, success are, mm-hmm. and what your values are. Mm-hmm. And um, I hadn't realized that I was getting that. I've always enjoyed the success of others. I've always wanted to promote the success of others. But when I was going online and seeing people be a Award ceremonies, I should have been at that. Speaking at a conference, I should have been speaking at that. Mm. Things that I wasn't keeping up with, technology that I should be using, mm. rather than taking it back to, well, is that what I wanted to do? Is right. that who I am? I just, and I think we can end up trying to be so many people. And unfortunately, there is a marketing technique being used, subliminally or not, of I can make you more successful, I can make you happier, I can make you more beautiful, that makes you immediately feel you lack. Yep, yep. And, um, and now I think that, and that can really dent your resilience because, and I think this is what's causing a lot of the mental, uh, mental well-being issues, really, uh, around the online world. And I know people are turning away from online because of it. Um, I'm coming more towards it again because I've always believed in, in gathering the beautiful people around me, the kind yes. people. And I think it can still be beautiful. And, you know, when I launched the book yesterday, when I said, did my post, I had 19 people share it. I had the most beautiful messages. I've had so many people say they want to help me. People like you interviewing me at the right time, you know, and there are some amazing people, but you, you know, they're there. Right. I think I I always advise, I think it's very important that people find the right people to follow. Who are you following? If you're just kind of following a, uh, a Victoria's Secret model and every time you see their posts it's making you have body conscious, you know, feel self-conscious about your body, don't follow them. What are you, who are you following people and, and why? And I find that, yeah, and it's always a, it's, there's that. So I tend to try and follow just people that I'm interested in, friends and family, just to see how people are. Like I'm always happy to see my friend's kids if I can't see them because they're in England or whatever. Yeah. And then there'll be other times where I will follow influencers, people in, in the same type of arena as me and, and see them, like you said, just being very successful, doing very well, getting a lot of engagement. And it kind of makes me feel less than. And so there's two options I find. One is just to unfollow them or just hide them or just not witness it as much. And the second is also to, when they're posting content of value and I'm just in resistance to it, it's me looking at, that's a sign that something's not good with me, that I'm not like you say, feeling less than, I'm not worthy, I'm not as good as, um, and just kind of look at why why I'm feeling that way and why it's important that I have X amount of followers or X amount of likes. And 
and just sort of bring that to light. Cause I think a lot of the time it's unconscious for people. Some people won't even recognize that being on Instagram is what makes them feel miserable <laughs> and will spend mm-hmm. hours a day on it and they don't even have yeah. that awareness. So yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it can be a fantastic tool when used correctly, but we just have to be way more mindful of, of yeah. ourselves and, and the impact that it's having. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Um, it's beautifully articulated. And I, you know, I love the, the honesty in what you've said as well. Mm. I don't, you know, I think, you know, you look at the most amazing megastars and you see their vulnerabilities. You know, they're, they know, nobody has a perfect internal dialogue no it's uh, we're really maybe the Dalai Lama I reckon the Dalai Lama does yeah but there you are but that's um but that that is you know that in itself is in, in my book I've got it's called is personal and so there's chapters where it's emotional heal, uh, healing is personal mental health is personal spiritual health is personal physical health is personal and uh, you know and I guide people on finding their way to those four elements of the whole of them mm. and, and give examples of, of things. And, and, you know, the Dalai Lama, he's found peace inside, hasn't he? And I think that you, I'm sure being who you are, you will know of the saying by Lao Tzu, 601 BC, this philosopher who said to be whole first, you must allow yourself to break. Mm, mm. I don't know whether you've heard that, but I, I, I love it. It's, I think I read that about two months into last year and I thought, oh, I love that. They talk and, about, I've heard it, I think I've heard another version of it, which is like you have to break to let the light in. Yeah, or yeah. Light, and, for yeah. the light to whatever. Yeah, but I think, you know, when you break slowly, the, all the gaps are appearing. And then when all the pieces fall apart, when you actually put them back together again, you put them back in your way. <laughs> Mm, mm. the way you want to be not with belief systems that you've picked up along the way and I mean the group therapy had was phenomenal it's a new form of therapy called um, acceptance commitment therapy which I think is very big in America now not on YouTube how does it it work acceptance so it's sort of seen as another um, another version of uh, could be applied that could have been CBT cognitive Mm -hmm. behavioral therapy um and and I went on it it's, in the UK. We've got this very famous clinic called the Priory. Yes, um, yeah. you, you may know of it. A lot of celebrities go there, but a lot of normal people go there. <laughs> and a love, uh, a wonderful man called uh, uh, Doctor Ian Drever left to form his own clinic in Isha, and he was seeking to test out this theory, these theories and the materials that he's gathered from learning it. And so my psychologist, who was affiliated with him, said he's looking for people who are pretty much healed, but would still benefit, but could properly test this group therapy out. So it's six weeks on a Friday. Um, I, I, I was I love groups, you know. It's, I love the intimacy of groups, and I thought it would be an amazing experience. And I didn't feel so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I felt quite healed at this point. Um, but I went into a room with people who I was quite surprised they were their form of I so I was diagnosed with two things. I was diagnosed with PTSD, mm-hmm. which PTSD can be mini, mini traumas or, or, or yeah. major, major traumas, but it's basically anything in your life that just stays at front of, at front of your head and that you've not, um, and so therefore it's in your short-term memory and you've just not worked through it enough to put it into your memory. So it's there all the time. Yeah. And I had 12 mm-hmm. stories in my front of head. Um, and so that was PTSD. The other thing I was diagnosed with was um, 
a form of depression that is totally hidden and it's in Ooh. strong business people mostly or strong medics anybody who's uh, wants to be uh, ambitious and you know determined and it's called it's been written about by dr tim Kavanagh. there's a book on amazon you can get called the curse of the strong mm-hmm. and um and it literally is and it's it's rather than a form of depression where you um you stay in bed and you can't even be bothered to go and buy a birthday card. You know, you've got that total apathy. It's the reverse. It's where you get out of bed and metaphorically you get into the fastest car that was ever invented, put your foot down on the accelerator as hard as you can and climb the fastest mountains and believe that that's the best thing to do. Right. So the harder it gets, the harder you go. Right, right. But you're still Um, not processing what's going on. No, and you just, and, and you just, and a lot of CEOs go to the Priory and things with this form of depression. And Dr. Kim, Tim Kavanagh was from the Priory and seen this, mm. and this is why he wrote it. And it was a, it's a really hidden. Um, and that's hidden. what I was diagnosed with. Um, right. Because obviously, if you don't catch it, it's dangerous. You know, it's full on physical or mental breakdown. So you were part of his trial. Um, they have tried this trial. And, um, but the other people on it were suffering anxiety and depression one had person had a um bipolar mm-hmm. but their form of anxiety was really physical it was life life limiting right. um they they had man- massive panic attacks that one lady you know she would pass out oh and she did it in the room and it was scary oh. another guy sweated from head to foot um when, when he got worried and that was really distressing for him mm-hmm. um and another guy um um, yeah, another guy just had the, the classic not being able to breathe type thing. And so how did the, and, this type of treatment work for you? Because um, you said it happened quite quickly. So it was, um, talking in a group is very good, actually, I, I think of that. And you can do that in a group of small business people share anyway, mm-hmm. can't you? Mm-hmm. But the um, acceptance commitment therapy is about accepting some stuff in life. Just accepting it. You cannot change it. And I know it sounds very obvious, but there's a a, a formula for that. Mm -hmm. Understanding your values and really deeply going into what your values are. Mindfulness and the importance of resting your brain. Yeah. Um, And you know a lot about that. Yeah. Um, So there was a whole curriculum over the six weeks that we went through. Um, uh, You know, we had conversations about rescuing others others and the impact it can have when you are a rescuer of others you know so it was a very it was a very good um form but you can youtube this and you can see the, the major gurus in america that are now bringing this forward so it was very powerful i i touch on it a bit in my book but in my book i talk as a torchbearer and not an expert because i don't want to I, I think I know a lot about business and I understand a lot about emotional health because I, and I've always you know I wrote a blog called emotional wealth will lead to financial wealth back in 2001 wow. I've always believed in you know if you've got self-esteem self-belief good people around you you will become financially stronger yeah so that's something I've always believed in but um this book is about me being a torchbearer and being very open about my own the triggers and issues and flaws and characteristics and and things um but I think it's very necessary for a lot of people in business to kind of hear these stories and just know that they're not alone in sort of having those the feelings that they're feeling and the stresses and the pressures I think it's a, a real good one and yeah. something that you don't actually hear I don't think there's anything like it 
really yeah, well I'm glad you said that yeah it's quite nice to be the first and I'd like to be a voice I think there are I'm actually shining a light on a lot of experts and in it when people have read the book if they are an expert like for example you've got some things that you do that if you were to read the book you'd think well I actually have content about that one of the blogs that I've got is where I'm going to buy chapter constantly add links in by chapter for other resources for the reader to go to okay. so I don't want them to solely I want to just inspire the thought and I've had since I've been speaking about this for the last six or seven months and um, since the book has gone out and people have been really listening on audio quite fast and um, people are coming approaching to me now and people I've known for 15 years in business and are telling me um, their depression and their anxiety and yep. Um, and I think, uh, you know, if there's, this is the line of normal and we want to be exceptional, if we all feel we're subnormal, that's a long way to go. Yeah. I want them, I want to make everybody feel normal. We're yeah. all normal together. But yeah. if we, in this ecosystem of small business, if we just care and whether it's a customer or a supplier, we just care a little bit more for each other and, 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 um, and are kinder to ourselves. And I think it would be a better journey for us all. Oh, we so much nicer, so much nicer. Um, well, Penny, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. me today and, and just sharing all of this. And Penny has kindly offered to give away five copies of her um, book, Business is Personal. So I can't wait to, to read. Did you narrate it? Did you narrate the audio book? Did that's a gosh that's an experience and do you know what's killing is I was just uh, we had a interview on a radio station today my husband and I were in the car for an hour and he downloaded it and I was had to listen to myself in the car <laughs> that's the worst that's the worst because they just really like oh I sound like this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I'm glad I did it a lot of people yeah. enjoyed great now I think it's really nice. I listen to a lot of audiobooks because there's relentless traffic in LA so it's always yeah. <laughs> something to listen to and learn from so I I I am look, looking forward to listening to Thank that. You. Thanks again. Just Thank you. fantastic. Yeah, all the Thank best with much. it and uh, take care. Thank you for this opportunity. My pleasure. Take care, everyone. I will be back next week. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Uplifting Content Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast and find it uplifting and inspiring, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you take a picture of your review and email it to us at info at upliftingcontent.com, we will send you a little gift to say thank you. Also, to make sure you never miss a beat, subscribe to my email update. I promise I won't spam you and I send less than one email a month on average. You can find the sign-up link in the show notes. See you next Tuesday for another episode. Bye.